God. So today we're going to talk about proper attire. Amen. Excuse me. Proper attire. And uh, what, what clothing really means to God. Now, if you don't think it's important to God what we wear, and let me get the, that wear established as a spiritual and a natural. They're not exclusive of one another. One's not more important than the other one. Amen. If you don't think clothing's important, think of where we started in the garden. It's all about clothes, ain't it? Because it is with us. Even in the natural, it's all about clothes. We can't get out of the house without looking a certain way. The Bible says clothes make the man. Not the Bible, it's the saying, clothes make the man. Man, those, We have all kinds of uh, axioms, parables, and uh, wisdoms. What we choose to wear identifies us. You need to understand that. We are attempting to tell people who we are by what we wear. You're communicating something in your dress. God has an identity for us, and he tells us how to dress the part. First impressions are everything. There's even a saying that says you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So when, when people, when you appear to people, there's a snapshot of you that's taken in their minds. And people carry that over and over again. Dress is a reflection of who you believe you are and who you want people to believe you are. So it's not a reflection of who you are, truly, but who you believe you are and who you want people to believe you are. There was even a a, a program called What Not to Wear. And they examined the effect that clothing has on people and what it represents. Their goal was to help people to dress according to, number one, their best qualities or assets. So remember these things as we talk about proper attire in the Lord, man, to accentuate your assets. Also, to accommodate your lifestyle, your personal comfort, personal habits. For instance, if you drive, if you're a truck driver for a living, even if you're a woman, you don't get in there to dress in high heels. You have to dress according to your lifestyle and also according to your work. Amen. Oftentimes people dress according to where they're going. So your vision of who you are is reflected in your dress. How you feel about yourself from day to day can also be reflected in your clothing. Sometimes you have one of those days, it's a a stay in the bed, try to find some ice cream and just lay up there and veg out. Amen. So you don't take your pajamas off. You just stay in that. (laughs) I used to tell my husband I was an artist. That's why I didn't like to get up and get dressed. (laughs) I want to say my mother was one too. This is where I get This is where I get this garb from. But anyway, your goal really is to look your best. And why is that? Because you want to leave a good impression on those who see you. You want to increase your sense of self-worth. 
and not merely to dress in the way that you feel from time to time. Okay? And this is what God is trying to get us to do, is to dress appropriately for the new life that he has given us. Clothing, the issue of clothing, whether it's appropriate or inappropriate, is what started our relationship with God as far as redemption is concerned. And clothing will be the issue at the end of it. Just like Jesus started his earthly ministry at a marriage supper, he's going to end it at a marriage supper. So adornment, clothing, all of those things are major issues for God. You've got to understand that. And I want everybody to understand what I mean as far as spiritual things versus natural things and how the natural must reflect your new spiritual condition. I don't think anybody here dresses like they did before they were saved. Amen. If you do, you need to have a reality check and understand who you are. First and foremost, you have to accept your new identity. God is establishing a new identity for us. He is also positioning us in a spiritual picture that he has for us. And they all have to line up. They have to be in agreement with one another. Every vision that God has for us has to line up accurately with our lifestyle. So there are four areas I think we'll cover today. God wants us to fit into a a spiritual framework. Number one, our adorning as his bride and his betrothed. So that is one area where clothing is very, very important. And then there are other adornments. The adornment for worship, fellowship, and prayer. There's a different garment for that or a different adornment for that. The other one is our adornment for battle, for offense, and for protection. And number four is our adornment for our self-image, and it is a spiritual adornment. You know we started out naked in the garden. That's where fallen man started out. We started out naked but clothed in God's glory, and that's how he wanted us. He liked us that way. He looked at us and said we were very good that way. We lost our clothing through a knowledge of sin, through disobedience, we lost the clothing of glory. And so God wants to re-adorn us in that glory. So everything that we are, are experiencing in our walk on the earth is to uh, get us uh, outfitted for our glory realm that's going to be an eternal realm for us. In Matthew 22, you see where uh, this is a parable about a wedding banquet. And the king is is getting people in. uh, Start in verse 2. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. So number one, in order to... Be, uh, start to be outfitted by God with the, the clothing that he wants you to have. It starts with being invited into the banquet supper as the bride by the father. Amen. When you got born again, it was because the father tapped you on the shoulder and asked you if you wanted to be married to his son. 
It was not just a, a mercy cry or pay my bills or the dope man that caught up with me and if he catches me I won't make it till tomorrow. That's what that's what tipped you off to the fact that you needed salvation. But the invitation has always been an eternal invitation. It's never to go back to your old life. It's never to do what you want to do. You know, now that you've found God, what you going to do with it? Huh? You're going to serve him. You're going to do what he tells you to do. Because you finally found life. Amen? So this is not the kind of thing where you use it for a season when you're in trouble. And when you're not in trouble anymore, you go back to your old life. We don't have two lives. We only live this one life in God. Amen? So once you step into this, you've renounced the old already. The old has no significance. It has no importance. It should have no attraction. If you start getting attracted to the old, God tells you what to do about you. Resist. You submit to him. He said, Daddy, I can't help myself. Come get me. That's what you do. You resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And so it's God then. And why would he invest so much in us if we're just going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? <laughs> huh? Revisiting old things that didn't work for us then. That's why a lot of times people, when they backslide, they have the worst time of their lives because they can't find the old stuff. They can't taste the old stuff anymore. They can't, doesn't have to say, they don't believe they saved. So God has to convince them. Huh? He lets you know, uh-uh, that don't taste right, that don't feel right, that don't even act right, that don't sound right. And you can't breathe for three minutes without me. And so he married a marriage for his son. When, when Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the Lord. That is a revelation from the Father. You don't get that unless God the Father favors you and invites you to be the bride of Christ, male or female. He said he sent forth his servants to call them that were invited to the wedding and they wouldn't come. So it's like the people you witnessed to. There are going to be a lot of people that say no to the Lord, unfortunately. Amen. And he said they wouldn't come. He sent forth other servants. Tell them I prepared the dinner. Everything's ready. Come. It's, it's time. These are the people that, that get these last minute warnings sometimes. This is your last time to answer the altar call. We've all heard that. It's true sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? He said that they made light of it. Like sin too much. Think it's going to last forever as a pleasure season. And he says, and the other, the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. So there are going to be some people that want to kill you because you're trying to get them out of sin. And we see it now. We don't want to admit that it's that bad. But we're hated by a lot of different groups of people in this country. That's why they're always trying to stop us from doing what we do. When the king heard of it, he was angry. Sent forth his armies and destroyed the murderers, burned up the city. So God's judgment will fall on those who continue to mock his servants. And he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were were invited are not worthy. God ain't begging nobody to marry his holy son. You hear what I say, parents? If they don't look right, they don't smell right, they don't act right, they don't talk right, they don't walk right. 
you pray them out of your kid's life. You understand me? I don't care how old they get. They get too old to have kids, they can adopt some. But you don't want them hooked up with the wrong person forever. He said, then go into the highways, as, as many as you find, tell them to come in. So those servants went out to the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good. Amen. The father just wants his house filled. He'll take care of your bad. You don't get too bad, he can't clean you up. And, he, and, there was, and when the king came in and saw the gifts, he saw a man which had not on a wedding garment. That is why this is so important. When you, you don't want to get to that time and not have your proper attire Amen. to sit there at the marriage supper of the Lamb. You want to be properly attired. You know how you can ensure that don't happen to you? Just live for God every day. Amen. You know, don't get, you know, schmancy and all that cute and, you know, want to be all exotic and everything. Just be what God calls you to be. And he says, how is it? Said to him, friend, how did you come here not having a wedding garment? He was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. That's how important clothes are to God. That's how important our appearance, our adornment, all of this issue about proper attire, that's how important it is to God. He wants you to be adorned properly as you walk this life with him and as you yield to him. It's all about how what you wear. Amen. It's about what to wear and what not to wear in God's kingdom. So he is positioning us in a spiritual picture. And this is the picture. At the end of the age, he wants you sitting at that banquet table properly attired. Amen. So our first and our basic adornment is in Ephesians 4.24. There are, I counted about 18 scriptures to do with proper adornment in the New Testament. About 18 of them. I was watching uh, an interview. I see all these little things on Facebook and all people's comments and everything. Um, You know, when I got saved, I wanted to do what was right. I didn't want to, I didn't want to see how much I could make the saints angry and how much of the old look I could carry with me into my saved life and still be saved. I never liked riding the edge of anything. You know, I I like to be all in on something. If I believe something, I believe it 100%. Oftentimes, I would, would, well, this is a bad example, but I give it since it came to mind. But when we would uh, go to Las Vegas and go gambling, I'd be walking around with no money. And Aubrey would say, what are you doing walking around? I said, I said uh, all my money is gone. And he said, what would you do? Did you do that stupid thing you do all the time? I said, yeah, it was a good hand. I went all in. And I lost. Huh? I, that's the way I want to be with God. I'm all in. Or I, you know, I just ain't in this thing halfway. I'm not trying to look like the world. I'm not trying to act like the world. I'm not trying to imitate the world and embrace it. You understand? Now, when you preach, you've got to touch into some things where people identify. When Jesus preached about money, he wasn't preaching about money. He was preaching about what was dear to people's hearts so he could relate to them. You understand? It wasn't that important to him. 
but he knew it was important to the people that were sitting out there. Like Paul said, I become all things to all men so that by all means, it's just a means to relate to people. It's not something you like, you know. So anyway, uh, I was watching uh, this, this couple. They were being interviewed uh, on a TV show. I don't know if it's in, probably internet TV or something. There was an audience of people. Uh, and it was a question and answer thing. And so there was a woman that got up and wanted to express how she felt because she the there was the is a young couple a man and a woman I think they were singers or something and uh on the cover of this girl's ma- uh book that she was selling at the store she was you know show cleavage and the woman got up and was really sweet to her and she said I think you're beautiful she said but just let me tell you what I feel as a Christian as a Christian woman when I saw your book in the store and I saw that you had exposed yourself she said I thought and the husband jumped in no 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 you get off of her you get off of her and so I put my comment on I say he is a pimp and he is a pimp in God's house pimping his wife to take money from God's people because you don't tell a woman she can wear anything in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, she can wear anything. I said, no, these people aren't even really saved, and yet they're up merchandising God's gospel. If you're a man and you want other men to look at your wife, there's only one other word for you. You understand what I'm saying? And especially you call yourself a Christian man. Men who aren't Christians have more respect for their their wives than that. That's the mother of your children or the potential mother of your children. What is your problem? So, yeah, it, it makes a difference how we dress and how we present ourselves to the world and to the body of Christ. You don't ever want to dishonor God with something as simple as clothing. You understand what I'm saying? It's hard enough to honor God in so many other ways. This is an easy fix. Amen. Just take off the wrong thing and put the right thing on. Amen. Put on the right thing. Well, you know, when I go to the store, go to a different store. Go have them made. You understand what I'm saying? God will provide for you to get them. Dorcas made clothes for the saints. You can find somebody who makes clothes for the saints. You don't have to go in them worldly stores buy that nonsense. You're, you're being adorned for him. You belong to him. You're not even dressing for yourself. Amen. We belong to the Lord. So in Ephesians 4 and verse 24. Put on the new man. Put off the old. Verse 22. Put off the old concerning, concerning the former conversation means your lifestyle, your habits, your dress, your speech, that's what he means. Conversation means how you relate to the outside world. So when you, when you walk in, you speak something. When what you put on speaks something to people. When you, when you step into a place, your conversation starts with the people sitting there because they see what you look like and that starts a conversation in their minds. Huh? I can remember hearing some of people's testimonies when I was a new Christian. I was just in those circles where your testimony was everything. 
you know, like not like people now. They go through struggles and everybody in the church knows it. And then they stand up and want to say like they never did anything wrong, you know. Right. It's called hypocrisy. Because we used to gladly share our testimonies. And I remember seeing some ladies that looked so peaceful and quiet and reserved. And then they get up and say, well, you know, I was a groupie. And I said, huh? Her? You know what I'm saying? It's just, right. My husband, we were rockers, you know. And you, here's some posters we used to have and all this kind of, oh, okay, if you say so. But they were adorned in such a way that they had no resemblance to their former self. Why? Because they put off the old man forever. Amen. Put him off forever. You don't need the old man anywhere. Why? You've been bought with a price. You didn't pay it for yourself. You don't know what your value is. We're coming into our value, folks. We're not trying to be valuable. We're not trying to be, uh, you know, when you were at your worst, you were at the greatest value to the Lord. You understand me? And so he wants us to start getting accustomed to who we are as new creatures. He says, he says, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. The old man will deceive you into thinking, well, you know, you single. You got to look like you're looking for a husband. What does that mean? You ain't looking for no husband. He's looking for you. And if you don't want a man that's shopping in the dollar store all the time. Thank you. You got it, didn't you? Even Sheree got that one. Thank you, Jesus. Huh? I mean, we might sneak in there and get some things that don't really amount to much, but when you want something that's going to last, you don't go to the dollar store looking for it. He said, and be renewed. It renewed. In other words, you used to, you have an inkling of who you are somewhere in your mind. So the Bible says be renewed to that. Wake up the new man that's in you and not live in the old anymore. Because there's something in you that knows that you're valuable, that knows that you're important, that knows your significance. Significant. It's in there somewhere. And so God uses his word to bring it out of us. That's who we really are. You got me? There are always people who are striving for better, striving for more. Many times that's the God in them awakening them to who they really are. He says we're royalty. You are a royal priesthood. Huh? That means you have a certain dignity. You have a certain position. You have a certain authority. You have a certain expectation of you down here in the earth. One of the reasons, you know, oftentimes as Christians we get a bad rap is because the world looks at us, they're quick to condemn us. Why? They expect so much more of us sometimes than we deliver. They expect more. Why can't we expect more and do more than they do? We're scared. I think sometimes we're scared of walking too far with God. You know, people just want to hang on to a little bit of themselves or want to have be a, have a little less familiarity with God and more with the world. You understand what I'm saying? Because there is a sense that if you step into these glorious things, there's no going back. You got me? 
and and we should want that we should desire that we should desire that oneness with god but then there's a sense of loss of of your old self you know sometimes people spend too much time longing for the old you shouldn't long for that at all you should be confident in god to walk into the new these are things we've never experienced before the bible says that your eye hasn't seen it nor has your ear heard it amen it's going to be new to you but you can get used to the new huh i can get used to the new amen and so he said be renewed in the spirit of your mind the spirit of your mind there's a driving force in your mind that drives you either to the carnal or to the spiritual that's the spirit of your mind so god said if you get renewed in the spirit of your mind you'll be stirred up and motivated to want what god wants for you these things will be easy transitions for you it'll be easy for you to desire what's right and what's good he says here putting away lying (laughs) speak every man the truth with his neighbor we're members one of another be angry and sin not this is how you know you put off the old man amen you sit up and nurse your anger and just wait to get even with somebody that's wrong so don't give place to the devil but he said put on the new man in verse 24 which after god is created you are created your new man is created after god in righteousness and true holiness so if you put off the old quit worrying about what you're going to eat drink and wear quit worrying about trying to look good for some imaginary man you think you're going to run into someday he ain't out there looking i'm going to tell you if that's your motive god's going to make sure he don't find you he wouldn't do that to some man that wants a, a real christian woman you know the greatest the worst thing you can do as a christian is backslide and then hook up with somebody in a marriage while you're backslidden let me tell you why let me tell you why because they know your potential you think people who grab you up and snatch you up when you and you know if you're in church and y'all fornicate and all that stuff and you make the mistake of marrying them you think they don't know if they lose their grip on you, God will take them away from you forever? See, they're fighting God and ain't scared to do it. That's the scary part about it. So they're going to work triple time to keep you backslid. So they don't lose you. huh? That's their assignment. People don't care what they have to do to keep somebody. And you need to know they're out there and they looking for christians you do the wrong thing and let them know you don't have a conscience about it and see what happens to you you marry somebody you want somebody that's going to keep you saved not keep you away from god keep you crippled keep you dependent on them keep you well you know i I got a job you don't have to worry about that put the curbs on put the brakes on and jump out the car like joseph did leave your clothes behind running for your life because that's the devil with skin on
in India there was a gentleman who was called to the ministry and he said that he was uh, I think I forget how he got there but he was out on a road somewhere I think his his car had broken down or something he said a woman appeared to him that had like a see-through outfit on and he just stared and the Lord told him he said turn your eyes this way and keep walking and that's what he did and he told him he said that was a demon dressed in women's clothing had you stopped and had sex with her you'd be trapped in that forever you'd lose your ministry and you lose your life you think you don't the devil don't want you in the wrong something to wear so he can kill you I got news for you doing the wrong thing stay away from people who tolerate you living halfway for God and I don't care if they in the church with you you stay away from it they sit next to you in service go sit someplace else huh? they come to church too you know devils come to church they do this they do this and everything they know everything they do. Okay. So. <clears throat> I'm serious. I'm serious. Getting into strife with people. All this kind of nonsense talk and everything. Don't, don't get engaged in that. Don't get in with anybody who's going to pull you away from God. You know, God will... God has a path for people who like to live slack. And it's called the righteous, slapping you upside your head every time they catch you. And you get used to it and you say, oh, you know what they mean? They mean good for me. They mean well for me. I can see that now. See, a righteous person can slap you sober and holy. You understand what I'm saying? They, huh? The Bible says it's a kindness. Huh? So we have to make the decision to adopt a mindset that focuses on God and his kingdom. Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to the world. Why does it tell you not to be conformed to the world? We were from the world, weren't we? But when you get saved, you are totally disarranged from the world's conviction. You understand what I'm saying? You don't fit in anymore. And so the enemy meets you to try to conform you back to the way. But you're a new creature. You are totally changed. Amen. Bible says we're translated. That means we have a new conversation. Way of looking, appearing, living. Everything's different. Everything's new. It says do not conform to the world but be transformed. That means a Holy Ghost put together again. So when you, when you became born again, it was like an implosion on the inside of you where your spirit started to come and form a new. You know how those Transformer movies are? It's exactly what happens to us. They, they, all the pieces are laying out there and then they, they start putting it together and all the little parts start to fit together. That's what it means to be transformed. Amen? So when you start the transformation process, you have a little bit of strength. 
And then it continues and you get more strength. And finally you stand up full grown in Christ. Amen. And so God wants to do that transformation. It takes time. It takes effort on our part. By the renewing of our mind. That's the part you play. You make the choice what to think on throughout the day. All day long thinking on the word. Understanding what the word has to tell you. And so he tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So these things are not secrets. They're not hidden from us. We know how to get where we're going. Remember the old days, saints would, you know, they would, uh, uh, you'd see some people mature in God and they couldn't tell you how that happened. We know. Amen. We've had the word, word of faith teaching for, I don't know, 50 years, 60 years now. So we know how these things happen. And so we can expect the more knowledge we have, the more God is going to accelerate time for us in the transformation process. Most of you in here started started as baby Christians in places where people who are already mature in God don't even know how to handle it. Because you know how to pray. And you know how to pray the word. You know how to get results praying the word. You know that if you pray a health prayer long enough, the unction to lay lay hands on the sick will come to you. Amen. Amen. And you know that you'll be able to minister healing to the sick by the unction of the Holy Spirit. Well, there are tons of people out there in churches that never even heard of what we do. And sometimes we almost take it for granted because it's so much a part of us. Amen. And we're not spooky, uh, Holy Ghost people. We're just normal people who pray the word And have had the blessing of being transformed by the renewing of our minds. When you pray that, when you pray that health prayer long enough, the first thing that comes to you when you hear somebody is sick is not whether or not God's gonna heal them, or He'll heal them if they ain't in sin. You pray for them immediately, huh? Because you understand it. Your mind's renewed to the right things. A lot of churches they go to, if they don't get healed, then they they go on a sin hunt. Trying to find out what's wrong with them. Well, all they got to do is be fed the word and believe. You know, when you get the word, sin leaves you. huh? It has no choice but to leave you when you choose to believe the word of God. huh? You just tell them to hold on. It's coming. You don't see it yet. It's around the corner. huh? Colossians 3 also tells us the same thing. Put off the old man. Let me give you that reference. I don't think I'm going to read it. Colossians 3. Uh, I find it. All these things written down here. This is a decision to adopt a mindset that focuses on God and his kingdom. Amen. So when you put off the old man, you make a decision. To focus on God and his kingdom. God's intention is that we put off the old man and never put him back on again. We have a choice. We can choose the way of the spirit. The new man wants God first and all the time. Your spirit man is comfortable only with God. He can't make the decision to get in the flesh. Amen. The new man wants God first and all the time. People struggle because they don't humble themselves to lean and to learn about God. You know, people say, well, I can't quit doing this. I can't. Well, it's because you're trying to. Huh? 
you have to offer these things up to God. See, this is what I believe in, in what I, I believe God's word says. Once you confess something or once you pray, the burden for the accomplishment of that thing is transferred over to God and it's not on you anymore. If it was on us, what would we get saved for? If we have to do things in our own strength, what do we, huh? So God is waiting mostly for us to make a heartfelt decision to seriously want to change and change consistently. Huh? I would sit up there and I think, God, I said, I can't believe it's this hard for me to lose weight. I can remember losing like 10 pounds in three days. He said, you were determined back there. I said, yeah, I was. You know, I was I was kind of vain, God. I was kind of like, yeah, I gotta look. Yeah, I can't go out with this extra five pounds. Then I realized, I said, that's the problem. It was five then. Now it's more like fifty, fifty-five, huh? So, so anyway, but but see, God wants to do those things. Why? Because when I was younger, it was it was the same five pounds every every other week. When you get with God, it gets taken care of forever. You got me? So it'll be taken care of forever, and then I won't have a conversation about these pounds again. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to understand that once you pray and you give these things over to God's control, he's got them and don't take them back anymore. What we struggle with is trusting that God's going to do what we ask him to do. Huh? And we're a little scared, too, because <laughs> to give up my extra Twinkies. Do you have to go through all my cupboards and get rid of all the snacks, which I have eternal snacks. <laughs> when I had to pack up and move, I thought, well, for a girlfriend's dog biscuits, I found my little hard candies everywhere. They were everywhere, huh? Everywhere. Yeah. Lest I famish in the middle of the night. <laughs> You know, I blame, blame, blame it on my poor upbringing all the time. And my husband used to say, oh, please don't. He said, dang, coal miner's a daughter? I don't want to hear that again. I said, okay. <laughs> but just let me tell you something. No. <laughs> but we can't struggle anymore once we give it over to the Lord. Man. You know, I think that's the key to knowing you're delivered. You're delivered by faith first. And then you walk in it when your faith is completed, amen. So we have to trust God in all things, amen. We have to trust him in all things. So we're to put off the old man, put on the new man. The new man is clothed in humility. And he walks in and projects the fruit of the spirit, amen. He's clothed in humility and walks in and projects the fruit of the spirit like Jesus did. He said, take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. In other words, I don't boast on anything. I don't brag on anything. I give all glory to the Father, and I do what the Father tells me to do. That's humility. So we put on God, and we take God everywhere we go. Amen? Be conscious of the fact at all times who you belong to and who you serve. We are to be imitators of Christ, amen, and, and do it like small children, you know, just whatever you see, do it, huh? Many times people don't want to believe their children are just like them. 
Especially when you see him cutting up and acting up somewhere. Huh? But trust me, they done seen you cut up and act up. Huh? They're human, just like their parents are. Don't ever think you raise perfect children. Get real. Huh? You don't raise perfect everything. People, parents always had the same report. When the kids are bad, they don't know how they got that way. And when they good, they if they told the truth, they wouldn't know how they got that way. They try to make up some story. They say, well, how are your children? Well, you know, I just raised them. And, uh, you know you don't have no answer because you shocked as anybody is. Huh? <laughs> I was talking about Bridget the other day. She's been a... Uh, worker since she was 14 and I Shirley was saying she said she want a job I said what a what <laughs> we hadn't had one well Shirley did I hadn't had one a long time I said well she didn't get that from our side of the family. <laughs> it was an evil report to me you know but she enjoys working she you know it don't bug her <laughs> me it bugged <laughs> I work now I work for God huh I, I joke about it, but I know in reality it was because I wasn't doing what I was called to do. When you're called to serve God, nothing satisfies you in the natural. So don't use that excuse, ladies, for not going to work. Come on now. Right. Felt y'all. Set the clock ten minutes earlier. What did Aubrey say? He said, he said you know, one time I got to, to work early and I saw all the managers were there half hour early he said so I started going a half hour early pretty soon he was a manager you know sometimes it's just one small thing you do now see if you're the type of person that backbites your boss all the time that ain't for you you're going to have to change your attitude to get there amen but always be expecting of God to encourage you, improve you, promote you, all of those things as you go forward. Those are all different garments that we wear. Amen? All different garments that we wear. Through your lifetime in God, you will wear different adornments. Amen? As you put off the old man, put on the new, God will take you through different levels of adornment. So we are imitators of Christ. We are as he would be in the world, and we get criticized for it, but don't let it change how you present yourself to the world. Don't let criticism cause you to put off Christ and try to imitate the world. You know, sometimes you can be self-critical, try to come up with a new idea about how to be successful. But the world is not who you are anymore. Okay, so trust God to adorn you properly. So the next adornment we have is the bride's adornment. First Timothy two nine. Verse in verse eight it says, I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting, so that's their adornment, is to wear worship in like manner also. Women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness. In other words, don't be bold, don't be brazen, and with sobriety. Don't be loud and drunk and all that kind of stuff. Trying to get the most expensive clothing to wear is exactly what's that saying. Amen. So, in other words, your adornment 
has, if, if, if your reflection is the outer only, you'll miss what God has for you. But if you realize he wants you to dress in modest apparel, what God is saying is this. I have given you my spirit. I've clothed you in my glory. You can't improve on this. All you can do is submit to it and walk in it. So if what he's saying, modest apparel, what that means is be more focused on the inner than you are on the outer. If you focus on the inner, that doesn't mean your outer can look as flamboyant as you want to be. Huh? See, this is where Christians make their mistake. This is where carnality will take over your mind. Where you think that you can wear the shortest. I hate these cover cloths on the front row. Just wear a long skirt. You understand what I'm saying? I don't like it. I think it's totally unnecessary. I think there are many places where you can go, but y'all don't want to look like me. And, and I don't care. You don't have to look like me, but look like you modest in Christ. You got me? Because this is unnecessary for Christian women. It really is. I don't care who don't like it. You understand what I'm saying? It's just, it, you know, and see what, what people do when, when they come to your church. They look at that to see who they want to invite to preach. And you can have a dynamite word but not get invited anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to be, we have to emanate Christ 100%. Let what we put on be a backdrop for who he is. Let him come forward and let him, let us be in the shadow somewhere. You shouldn't be getting up in front of millions of people and the most comment they have about how tacky you look for as much money as you're pulling in in your ministry. You understand me? This is nonsense. You make up your mind. When, I was, when, when our ministry was just starting, I talked to God about this because I thought it was important. I said, God, because all my life I've been trying to look, you know, when I'd come in somewhere with a skirt up to here and down to here because I want everybody to look at me. You understand what I'm saying? And I look good, too, as far as the world's standards. Don't think I'm looking like me. But as far as the world's standards are concerned, because I was that insecure that I had to have everybody's husband, son, brother, kid looking at me. You understand what I'm saying? We are not that way anymore. We are complete in Christ now. You understand what I'm saying? I could care less if it's matching when I leave the house. The, the only reason it matches because they all the same color in the closet now. I finally figured out how to get it. Huh? I could care less about that kind of stuff. But, but the thing of it is, God wants us to stand out, but for Him. And He's not a pimp. He's not anything like that. You got me? He wants us people to look at us and see Him. Amen? So I made up my mind. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want to offend anybody that comes into the service. I said, so help me to dress. I always wear skirts. I don't wear pants. When I wore pants and I put on weight, all you could see, you understand what I'm saying? I don't want that. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want that. And so these are things that you'll learn as you walk with God. That, that people are distracted very easily. I don't care how you're anointed you are. They're very easily distracted in apparel. Men don't have this problem. They all wear suits. But women have this problem because we want to get up there and either look young 
look crazy, look anointed, whatever we trying to do. We, we do that. So I said, no, no skirts and nothing over the knee, not even showing the calf. I don't show my calves anywhere. Huh? My husband used to look at him and say, oh, okay. <laughs> I remember them days. You know, no, nah, but you know what I'm saying. That's, that's for privacy. That's for in your private whatever. It's, don't, you know, don't do that. Don't do that to him. Don't do that to you. Some people spend a lifetime trying to live down bad mistakes wearing 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 what not to wear you got me so we we gotta we gotta think about that always think about that don't think about what you're trying to attract think about what you have attracted already and that's christ you've already got him so you dress for him at all times you don't dress for the world so in in modesty, First Timothy two nine. Where did I? Yeah, First Timothy two nine. In like manner, also women adorn yourselves modest. Amen. You know the difference between modest and brazen. Yes. Then there's in the middle there's seductive yes. Yes. and subtle, yes. where somebody will wear something and you think you question, huh? Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, women uh, uh, like to wear, I always feel like a woman should wear a coat like a cloak in the pulpit and covering, you know, down to mid-thigh. I don't think you should turn around and people have to look. You understand what I'm saying? But sometimes women will do some things and they'll look like you wonder, well, why didn't she put on a jacket with that dress? You know, we know she has a nice figure, whatever, whatever, but we ain't here for that. We here for the word. Yes. Amen. It's what you want to tell them. Ain't nobody come here to see you. Huh? Many times women will do it because they camouflage their lack of knowledge of the word. I see you didn't study. You ain't studied in high school. You ain't studying now. They do it. Many times men will preach great swelling words. Huh? So we can they camouflage their lack of knowledge. Now come on, y'all. You done seen this. They're this deep in God and got a huge crowd of people that jump up every time they step out on the stage. Why? They know how to holler at the right time. Listen, if you wanted to, you could stir up everybody everywhere you went just with the right pitch in your voice and the right loudness on it and saying the right things at the right time. In other words, they playing you like a instrument. Sure. I say this right here and I get this many people to jump up. Say this over here, that many will jump up religious spirits they entertain a lot of people and you look at what they say and they said nothing they're about this deep in the word never have an altar call where people get healed and let anybody lay hands on them I don't get quiet just throw all their books out okay Listen, if y'all going to do me like this, listen, my head is like pounding right now. Let me get some water. Don't mess with me like this. Amen. 
I will, like Paul, I will not give you meat again. I mean milk again. You're going to eat meat now. Put the bottle down. But you got to be discerning. You don't sit up under everything. You don't glorify just because everybody else likes this person. You don't. You you got to see through this kind of nonsense. Look at the fruit of their ministry. Huh? So modesty is respectable apparel. Are you respecting yourself in your dress? Adorning yourself to be pleasing to the eye, not eye popping. There's a difference. Huh? See, you can be pleasing to the eye without being what I call exotic. You know what I'm saying? Eye popping. <laughs> right? You don't want people to just stare at you. You want them to look at you and and be blessed and keep moving. You got me? You start doing that. You want to be a standout person. You're on the wrong road. Huh? If you're single, you don't have to dress to catch somebody. Huh? You ever see when when uh, uh, fishermen pull in nets, you see everything that's in a net? Well, that's what you're doing. You're throwing out a wide net. And you might get any crab caught up in there. Preach to the wall. A crab caught in your net. Did they get it? Crab caught in your net. God wants to adorn you with good works. Your work should stand out more than your dress. Huh? Your work should stand out. The fruit of the Spirit, and he wants to use the fruit of the Spirit for us to attract one another. Huh? You don't have to post a new selfie every day in, in order to be memorable to us. We remember the last selfie you put on me. And we wondered why you put that one up there because you just had one the day before. Uh-huh. Just be about your father's business. That's the best adornment. Keep modesty before men because you belong to God. You belong to them. You're not a carnal person anymore, so act like it. His bride is elegant, graceful, beautiful, kind, loving, gentle. She can be compassionate and confrontational. She can be everything Christ is. She's not brazen or slothful or lustful or tacky or flamboyant or cheap. You are free from the world's definition of beauty, finally. Everybody complains the world wants you to be a size zero or a size two. They're sick of the world, the people who are out there caught up in it. You're free. Don't get entangled back in that nonsense again. Self-control is the key. We are to be motivated in whatever we do by hatred of sin and its fruit. And you desire to draw the attention to God. In your own mind, you set rules and limits. 
Don't buy it because it's popular. Don't reminisce about when you used to be a certain age. Huh? And how you looked. You don't look that way anymore. If you wear clothing that's inappropriate for your age, you will look out of place. Amen. So God wants us to keep up with who we are in the natural, but more so with him in the spirit. Our other adornment is our adornment for meeting with God. We have to be adorned to enter his presence. We enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. So it's important what you have in your heart before God. Amen. If you know you, your heart's not right, you repent and you ask God to forgive you and thank God for that and move on into his presence. We're allowed to enter his throne room and spend time with him. The Old Testament priest had a series of cleansings before he could enter in to the presence of God, the holy place and then the holiest of all. And at every step, he had to put off more things. We do that to a degree too. Sometimes you can pray in the spirit and you'll be washing dishes or something like that at the same time and Say if somebody calls you and asks for prayer and they're praying in the understanding, you pray in the spirit, you can do that. But then there comes a time when you have to go deeper into the things where your total focus is on God. You know, you can't always have background noise and hear from God. Times you have to turn that TV off. Sometimes you want to blow it up. Huh? Because it consumes so much nonsense time for people. And the people who have, uh, who, who have the programming don't even respect us enough to put a different program on. They say, let's just run this over and over again. I bet they sit there 12 hours and watch it every time it's on. Uh, when God says, I have something fresh and new for you, and we won't go to God and get what's fresh and new, but I didn't just saw this time. Oh, yeah, I can skip it this time because they repeat in three hours. You know that kind of nonsense. Just being babysat all your lives. That's all it is. So for our meeting with God, our endorment is to put off the old man, which we walk in the spirit, put on the garment of praise, and worship him. Entering into the throne is a deeper approaching of God. We have access always by his blood. If you feel there's something standing between you and the closeness you need to get with God, just examine yourself. You know, this God, you know, I know I did something here. Let's move past this so I can talk to you. I want to break bread with you. I want that's the most important thing. So you can confess anything if it's going to get you the right result. You understand what I'm saying? People who think that confession of God is is uh, too much legalism, I feel sorry for them. There isn't a time that I ask God to forgive me that I don't feel the sanction of his presence in a greater way and the anointing. Hmm? And if that's hard for you, you need to go back to Christianity 101. You understand? That's where he found you in that same struggle you're in now, trying to decide how much do I confess. To you. Don't, don't ever do that with God. Don't ever do that. Don't ever want to skip stuff. And still get. I mean, come on, he died for you. What can you skip? What is so important you want to hold on to and not acknowledge it that you don't want to be close to him? Huh? I would say something, but we got kids in here. 
Now everybody said, ooh, what, what? <laughs> now want to meet me in the bathroom and find out, Miss Tony. I ain't telling it. Huh? But sometimes you take off more to get less and get close to people. You understand what I'm saying? You get an eternal life here. You get a cheap thrill over there. So we put on the garment of praise and offer it to God. We worship God, speak to him. This is a totally different way that we've lived before. We want everything honest and open before him. huh? What you confess, you empty yourself of. That's all it is, is emptying yourself of anything that would stand between you and God. Huh? Sometimes we don't know what these things are. Now, I've gone to God times and I say, well, God, I just don't feel as close to you or something like that. And I find that I've been thinking of things that I've done years ago that I'm condemning myself for or that I'm holding on to as being significant. It can be any small thing like that. Don't ever think your sin is just what you do. It's what you think, it's what you desire, it's what you fear, it's what you hate. All those things come into play. And God wants to free you up from that once and for all. Get free. This is about your freedom. It's not about what you admit to. Jeez. Yeah, I remember that when I was a new Christian. I would say, God, what else is wrong with me? You know, you'd be afraid of, but that was when you were new. You've walked with God for years now. You ought to be used to this as a normal routine of how you get close to the Savior. Telling you if more preachers confess more stuff, we'd have less people backslid. Lose your whole congregation. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. What what have you gained? Gained nothing. The other adornment is our adornment for battle. Amen. Jesus was a warrior and so are we. So you have to be properly clothed for that. Ephesians 12, 6-12, tells us to put on the full armor of God. The full armor. Mm-hmm. Now when you walk in the Spirit, the full armor is there for you. The Holy Spirit really adorns you and equips you if you yield to him. But the Apostle Paul thought he would list those things. And this is a spiritual adornment. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, all these people on Facebook sending messages to haters and all this. This is imaginary. You know, this is all in their minds. We don't have nearly the people hating us as we think we do. Huh? I'll tell you the problem. We ain't loving them like we're supposed to as Christians. Huh? When you're a person that walks in love, people that dislike you and hate you are of no consequence. The Bible says he's call your, he'll call your enemies to be at peace with you. Isn't that right? Am I right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. In other words, you're in a battle you don't have a clue how to equip yourself. So you've got to let God equip you. For what you're called to do. Sometimes you can provoke people just with your appearance and what you wear. 
And you have to understand that God will have you uh, present yourself in such a way that you don't draw fire from the enemy unnecessarily. You got me? Because the enemy of condemnation can, can grip any of us at any time. And it's a strong one too. And so we have to be clothed in humility before God and clothed for battle. So we dress in order to stand and resist the devil. Man, our warfare is a resistance warfare. We don't take off after the devil. Amen. Until we have a, an unction from God, you don't provoke the enemy. Amen. Unnecessarily. Now, some people like to just keep arguing and not shut up. That's a good way to get popped in the mouth huh? or to have a stroke or a heart attack. You know, walking in strife, that's putting on the old man. Amen. And, and the Holy Spirit gives us self-control in order that we not do that. Amen. And, and some people carry that spirit that just hovers over them. Because, and they never get any peace away from that thing. It's always picking at their mind. Well, look at that. Look at that. That's strife. Now, you can release yourself from that. Amen. You rebuke that thing. God, I recognize that strife. That's not normal for Christians to want to be in contention all the time. Huh? We're peaceful people. Just like they say Islam is a, a religion of peace. Well, no, I don't think so because they got some in that little bunch over there. And I don't know about the rest of them, but I know some in that bunch over there that claim they're speaking for everybody and they just won't kill up everybody. Huh? Well, what's going to differentiate us in our religion from that if we don't walk in peace? Huh? If we can't be instruments of peace and take peace everywhere we go. And that's what the apostle here is saying. He said, lastly, let your feet everywhere you go, you take peace with you. Verse 15, your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, what you speak to people should leave them in peace. They should not fear seeing you coming. Huh? You know, you've seen a Tasmanian devil. Well, they found him the right kind of wife. You see his little wife with the little veil on it, little devil and devilish. Huh? That's what you need. Somebody just going to fight with you. I'll just fight all the time. Huh? But don't bring that stuff around God's people because that's not for God. The, the enemy has you marked for trouble everywhere you go. And you will leave rotten fruit everywhere you go because you keep giving into that spirit of strife. You don't have to strive with everything all the time. Huh? I thank God the day I decided I didn't have to have the last word. Huh? Unless God gave it to me. Now that's something different. But you don't have to win an argument for the sake of winning an argument. You got me? You can let things go and let God settle things. That's the best way to do it. Amen? So we dress to stand and resist the devil. You have truth, righteousness, Strivers don't have much truth in them. They're always trying to defend a lie. That's why they can never quit striving. Huh? I didn't do it. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. You got to say that over and over again because it's not standing up. So we speak words of peace. You're to use faith as a shield. Man, that's what you use to fight the devil. You don't have to say anything. 
just let your confidence in God's word speak for you. Huh? And people come up to you, well, you know, so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and and you don't have to say anything. It's like, let your faith stand there, you know? You know differently. Huh? Well, I've seen people like that, and they don't do this, and they don't do that. Just let your faith stand. You know what you believe. So stay believing God's word. Your first clothing, according to Ephesians 12, is power from on high. It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is not for people who are not praying in tongues people. Amen. They're not fully equipped. And really their understanding of spiritual warfare is not. They, they live off a of little pet words and jargon. They know how to drop the right word at the right time to sound spiritual. Huh? Then when you really start talking to them about the things of the spirit, they just clock out on you. Uh, well, see, that's deep. When people say that to you, that means that they don't know. What, ooh, that's deep. They try to flatter you to get you off their case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know it is. God is deep. You can be deep, too, if you want to. Uh, pray always in the spirit. Be an intercessor. That's one of your, your dresses that you wear, a garment that you wear. You wear the garment of the intercessor. Now, listen, don't go out and get them shawls. And don't be praying. I mean, it always happens that way. Whatever you do in the natural often is a dead giveaway which you lack in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? They go get them. Oh, I got, I'm going to bring my prayer shawl. You bring it. I'm going to be praying in the meantime. You know, you tell people, you invite them to the conference. Well, what kind of conference is prophetic? Oh, I'm going to bring my prayer shawl. Or I'm going to bring my shofar. Yeah, the shofar. And then they bring the band of flags and want to hit everybody in the head with them big flags. Huh? I said, well, here they come. There they go. Huh? The minute you start worshiping God and prophesying, they see and they can't jump up with all that stuff. Or they try to run up to the front, wave a banner, and fall before they get there. I said, I didn't put my foot out there. They just hit the floor. Huh? We've, we've seen all kind of things. Hey, we miss Nola. She was telling me about some lady. Was She was all rah-rah and excited. She a prophetess that came. And I said, well, Nola, what happened to her? Nola said, she bounced all the way across the altar. <laughs> she did. <laughs> so she was going to get up and take the attention from the Holy Spirit. I don't think so. Huh? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, you got to check yourself. Our clothing is functional clothing. It's for purpose and not for appearance. It's functional. So we are weighted down with the glory of God. When you read Ephesians six twelve through 18, we're weighted down. That's a lot of stuff to wear, isn't it? So it's heavy, and we're weighted down with the glory of God. That is his heaviness, his kabod in the Hebrew, the presence and the power of God that comes in and descends on an atmosphere and keeps control. You want God to keep control in your atmosphere. You don't want it to get away with human flesh. Amen? The last adornment we have is for self-image, and that is who you are in Christ. Remember, Joseph had the coat of many colors. 
He started out as a boy. And those many colors represented the many facets to his spiritual character. So we have many, many facets to our spiritual character. Some of them we haven't even tapped into yet that are yet to be revealed to us and through us. I can remember when I was a kid and I was in church, in a church, Baptist church we went to, and I sang in the choir. And at that time, I had a good voice. It wasn't a trained voice, but it was a good voice. Over the years, it left me. And I was talking to God one time. I said, God, you keep giving me song of the Lord. I said, I try to give it to the singers. I said, some of them can pick it up. Some of them can't. And so God explained to me, he said, when you have a preaching voice, a strong preaching voice, he said, it's hard to train, drop back and train that as a singing and a preaching voice. You've got to compromise one or the other. And he said, I'll give you enough so that people can understand what you're saying. And then you explain to them that you are not a singer and don't expect you to come up there and sound like everybody else that's trained. You're there to sing the song of the Lord, and that's as far as you're going to go with it. He also explained to me why do we don't have live worship in our work weekly meetings. He said, because your gift, I put that gift in you so that you can pick up interpretation through song. He said, and many times if you have live musicians and singers around you, you wear them out trying to find the song of the Lord for you. So I've taken care of all of that. So just do what I tell you to do. I'm not making mistakes with you. I'm not trying to get you to embarrass yourself with your voice. So some of you who are ashamed of me when I sing, you better talk to God about that. <laughs> I wish he shut up. She can, now, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but, you know, I wish he shut up. She can't sing. I'm not supposed to. Them people up there, you see all of them that are on down the charade and everybody else up there in Detroit, them the singers. Amen. So we'll let them sing. But let me just deliver the song of the Lord. Amen. You, you can move with that a little bit. You just sang in the shower. You ain't professional either. huh? <laughs> but that's a coat of many colors. You'll have many. See, there are many things that God wants to do through all of us. But we let shame and embarrassment keep us from coming through. Many of you who sit here now that don't do much spiritual things, you know what I'm saying. You don't get the depth of the prayer life. You don't do all. You're you're ashamed and embarrassed because you see other people you think are greater in it than you are. See, we always think in a competitive vein as believers. You know, I I don't want to sing. Oh, listen to listen to Bishop Russell's voice. I don't want to sing around. Ah, let's let it fly, Pastor Tony. Let's let's see if we can find what God wants to say to people. Because it's far more important for me to hear what God has to say, no matter who it comes through. You know, sometimes you can listen to people's prophecies that are half accurate, half not. And you try to put it together into a flow to help them to bring out the gift that God has in them. Amen? We're all gifts in training. Amen? And if we would drop the nonsense and let God train us the way he wants to, much more would come out of us, would come out of our meetings. We could have glorious meetings, but we're always stopped by it's never enough, it's not right, it don't sound like, it's not like so-and-so and such-and-such. Such. No, it's going to be in the form that it's in right now. But you have many, many things in your life that are great things. Look at Joseph. 
He lost the first coat he had to haters, but he was a provoker, him and his daddy. How would you like it if, if you had 12 kids in the family your daddy liked one best? You'd be laying for that, brother. Hmm? And most of y'all would have killed him and not even let him out of that pit. Huh? But Joseph was destined for greatness. Because of the many colors in his coat represented the many different gifts, talents, and offices that he would eventually stand in. So they're all evident to us in the beginning as, as baby Christians and as small children. Every gift that we have is evident in us somewhere to somebody. And it's always evident most to the devil. That's why I try to kill you before you even get three or four or five years old. Because he sees your coat of many colors. He sees the many things that you'll be able to do well for God if you get old enough to serve him and get under the anointing. You notice that every time Joseph had a promotion, he lost his garment and had to wait for another one to be issued to him. You're going to lose some things, so let them go, and God will give you something better. Our trouble is we try to hold on to everything all at one time instead of letting stuff go. You have to learn how to focus on what God has for you. huh? When I was first in ministry, I... I, we would have, remember we had prophecy luncheons? Yeah, yeah. And I wear myself out giving a word to everybody. Yeah. So God trained me in that. I know I could get a word for everybody who comes up to the altar, but now I'm on to something else. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Do I get jealous of ministers? <laughs> I guess not. But you know what I'm saying. Because, and in, in sometimes I'll say, I say, God, I used to do that. What happened? He said, I moved you on to Revelation. Huh? Because people need the revelation of the word to bring that word to pass. Huh? You can't do it all, all the time. So he says, I bring people in to do that. Amen? And it ain't hard. You got me? You don't struggle for things in God. They're, they flow pretty much with ease. But if you're going to stand in the office, you have to do the demands of the office at the time. When Joseph got to be vice of the prime minister of Egypt, he didn't go both back to dream interpretation. He moved on to administration. You understand? You know you can do those things, and sometimes you long for those days when you had that intimacy with God and that, that reputation as, as being that person. But you must go on in the things of God. There are many, many things in all of us that can be used greatly of God. Amen? Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us understanding of who we are and how we're to be used, the greatness that is in us. And let me speak to prophets who are watching. Don't ever hold on to a gift when God wants to remove that one and replace it with another. Thank you, Lord. And God is saying to you, don't you be the selector of the gift that he showcases in your life, but let him do it. Prophets have many abilities. They prophesy. They teach. They run schools of prophets. They are watchmen. They run schools of ministry. They are given over to miracles, exploits, signs and wonders, mighty deeds. They cause the prophet's reward to come up in people's lives which is continual flow of blessings in the lives of people and many other things. They are not prophets in this age, but more than prophets, as was John the Baptist. 
And the Lord is saying, let go of that which is familiar to you so that you can embrace the new thing that I would do to you and increase your office and increase your ability, says the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is a God of increase. You can't expand if you can't let go. You can't expand if you can't let go. He gives the increase. Father, we thank you that we can freely let go of gifts that you've used us in, abilities you've used us in for the greater thing that you're bringing forth. And the Lord is saying he wants the prophet to be more familiar with more aspects of his character, more aspects of his anointing, more understanding of the good that you can do in the earth, not to hold on to the familiar, but to release it so that I can bring greater increase Greater, greater correction to the body of Christ, greater fruit in my kingdom, says the spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. That's for true prophets. You know, if you're just on Facebook trying to have a word for whoever, that's not for you. Amen. But it's for true prophets of God. You know who you are. Amen. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise God. Amen. face you girls without my without my lipstick on. I couldn't figure out which I was gonna put on. What you need, Nick Nick? Oh my So what are we gonna do? <laughs> and study more. Well, you know what I think it was, a little bit. See you're used to a certain routine. When that routine is broken, you don't think God makes up the difference. Like when you're at the conference, you kind of pressed in your mind to get your studying stuff done. But God knew he told you to go to conference. That was a mistake. But you got to look for him to make up the difference for you, okay? And he'll do it. He really will. He knows what it takes for you to, for you to do what you need to do. Don't ever think that God is sacrificing your grades. Your learning and your integrity so you can work for him. That's not him. So we're going to ask him to make that up for you. And he'll make it up for you. But I think sometimes we get more insecure about how we're going to make it up. And then worry about that than really focus 